All right. And Ian Trottier for Discuss Your Truth. You have J.P. Lindstroth standing by, folks. J.P. Lindstroth uh, will be joining us here momentarily. He has been waiting very patiently for us. He'll be talking about Epochal Reckonings, uh, award-winning a winner of the Proverse Prize 2019 for J.P. He's been uh, been a guest now for a number of years. Uh, two things to mention before we be J.P. on. Um, the dogs. Okay, the dogs in Kabul, in Afghanistan. They're being left behind. Um, why is this important? Because, because the dogs are just as important as a human being. As far if you, as far as you, uh, as my answer goes. If you ask me, um, the dogs are part of the military equipment. This uh, current administration leaving behind um, countless numbers of tanks and helicopters, and it's all now in Taliban control. Well, that includes uh, that includes our military dogs. So. Um, Trying to find this link for you so I can uh, point you that way, but um, not accessing it at the moment. Anyway, so the military dogs are uh, are an issue. Um, the other the other thing that uh, I wanted to bring up to your way uh, prior to oh here we go prior. See if it's see, see if the story's still up here. Um, San Francisco. Yeah, this is insanity. I mean, this is this is we're allowing our country to turn into this kind of thing. I mean, I understand maybe some incentives, but perhaps it has something to do with the education, public education system. San Francisco now under the mayor uh, London Bread. No, pardon me, I was a little bit of joke here. London Breed, I think it is B R E E D. London Breed, the current uh, mayor who took over the Gavin Newsom slot uh, for the San Francisco. London Breed now is paying uh, criminals paying them $300 a month not to get involved in violence. Cash incentive for not shooting each other. Wow. Okay, so that's uh, the latest out of San Francisco. And um, getting back to this, uh, getting back to the, uh, uh, I, I will find this for you before we bring JP on. I, I will. Here we go. Boom. Got it. Okay, a little bit of patience goes a long way. Uh, U.S. contract working dogs have been abandoned at the Kabul airport after the last American flight left on Monday. Joshua Hostler, H-O-S-L-E-R, president of the veteran sheepdogs of America, is frantically trying to rescue the dogs. So, via the Gateway Pundit, okay, the Gateway Pundit, did I say Pundit? The Gateway Pundit. Uh, you can get, oh, oh, and that's Cassandra Fairbanks. Okay, so Cassandra has now um, uh, printed this uh, this story here about Joshua Hessler trying to save the dogs. Is this important? Yes. Uh, rescuing, 46 military working dogs uh, now need to be rescued. Uh, these these dogs' lives are critical. And, 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 and you clump it in with the rest of the mili uh, military wep uh, weapons and machinery and equipment that have been left behind and turned over now to the Taliban. Um, the Taliban is seizing control of the entire country, and they will be installing their government. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, the current administration, just as far as I'm concerned, is not playing hardball. This isn't a softball game here, folks. This is, this is for all the rubies. This is for all the rubies. You, you, you know, you don't hope that, that, that Americans get the free passage. This isn't time to hope, okay, Mr. Biden. I take shots at Trump as well, but uh, this happened on other Biden's, Biden's watch. Okay, J.P. Lindstroth. Look, last week, Heidi St. John, 
You're running uh, for a U.S. congressional seat in the state of Washington. And uh, prior to that, it was Teddy Daniels. Uh, next week, and, and by the way, I'm doing a doubleheader here, uh, U.S. Army Ranger Tom Arenta. I've got that right, and I probably don't because that's my handwriting, but he is scheduled to join me here in about uh, an hour. Uh, next week, Tom Hartman uh, joining us uh, later this month, Alana Freeland, for a third time. We're talking about, uh, oh, bing! So we're talking about, uh, talking about her work on Ionized Skies. And then also, just in today, just in today, we will be joined by the following person. I'll get this information here. Uh, we will be joined by Eric Finman. He's invented a revolutionary, tele a revolutionary telephone called the Freedom Phone. Okay, J.P. Lindstroth, uh, with, without further ado, uh, dialing him in right now, ladies and gentlemen, J.P. Lindstroth, calling in J.P. Lindstroth, Epochal Reckonings. This is Discussion to Truth. I am Ian Trottier. And he may not be available anymore. Hello? J.P., thanks for standing by. I appreciate you the patience. How are you? Great, Ian. How are you? Doing, uh, doing fantastic. Is uh, how's the how's the weather where you're at? It's been hot today. Yeah, really hot. What about where where about where you're at? Uh, it, it's been a little bit cooler for me. Uh, been a little bit cooler, cooler, as you know. I'm in the I'm in the Northwest, and uh, uh, fall is upon the Northwest. So uh, been in the been in the 60s. Been in the 60s nice. today. Nice. Uh, the reason I ask you about the weather is. Uh, is how far stretching is this storm in the Gulf? You're not getting anything out of the ordinary there. Well, you're talking about Ida. We, we didn't really get anything from Ida. Um, uh, that storm stretched uh, up, it's going up northeast now. I think so. Unfortunately, unfortunately for the the people in Louisiana, it's terrible. Uh, uh, but. Uh, yeah, just on the on the 16th anniversary of Katrina. Yeah, right. So uh, those poor people there um, um, experiencing that hurricane was. I followed it closely because, as you know, being from South Florida, I tend to follow these things. So. Yes, of course, and it is hurricane season. Yes. Uh, JP. What's uh, what's new in your in your neck of the woods for listeners? I've already mentioned we'll be getting into uh, your award-winning publication, Epochal Reckonings. Uh, outside of that, what's what's cooking with you? What's new with you? Thanks for asking. And so um, I have a new book coming out in the spring. I just finished writing it, and it's in production at the moment. It's called. Um, Politics and Racism Beyond Nations, uh, a multidisciplinary approach to crises. Wow, that sounds fantastic. Thanks. That sounds that sounds great. Um, give a little bit of a uh, teaser here. I mean, the title in itself is, is quite a bit, but uh, give a teaser here, JP. Sure. So it's based on my um, compilation of my op-eds and... Um, basically tackle the subject of um, racism and nationalism and terrorism and um, 
peace and love through ethnographic accounts. So I, I, I do, I have quite a few interviews that I preface each um, chapter of the book of the book and um, tackle those topics, um, which are quite varied, as you can imagine. And um, I think the reader will find it interesting. Um, you know, I, I did field work in Brazil and I did field work in Spain uh, with the Basques um, and they had terrorism there for a while. Um, and I also um, interviewed these Buddhist monks and a, and a Buddhist nun. And so um, that's the book. And it's, it's I think it'll, it's quite an interesting book. It's a bit of a behemoth in the sense that it covers a lot of big topics and tries to tackle a lot of big issues. So the, the, the timing is... The timing's real interesting on this, JP, isn't it? Uh, you, know, you you have you 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 have been you have been uh, a guest of my show now for years. I mean, I think you joined me the first year, or year and a half. Um, yes. You're one of the early kind of guests, and uh, the, the Apocal Reckonings, uh, which again for listeners is the winner of the Proverse Prize 2019 award out of Hong Kong. Uh, the the cover of this book, uh, the cover of this book is is actually a NASA shot of Katrina. Correct. And Correct. <laughs> I, I mean, I, and here we have now a more massive storm. And it sounds like the levees are holding up. The last I heard, but now we have a more yeah. massive storm, or just certainly another massive storm. Uh, tackling the gulf the timing here on this is really interesting yeah it's interesting that um we're talking about this today in the sense that this storm which was the category four hurricane and they go up to a category five and katrina happened 16 years ago to the day uh was a category five hurricane um just a huge these storms are just massive um encompassed the whole entire Gulf of Mexico. Um, and um, as you know, I wrote about it in the book, Katrina. Uh, one of the poems is on Katrina. Um, and it's one of the issues of the book is on uh, dealing with um, issues of race uh, through poems such as Trayvon, about Trayvon Martin, and Michael, uh, Mr. Brown, about Michael Brown. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going right here, and we've got Katrina, the same city. By the early Monday, this is J.P. Lindstroth. By the early Monday morning hours, winds howling like banshees possessed possessed demonic forces roaring into the night as roofs gave way to the power of the winds and pelting rains as windows blowing out as transformers transformer drums blowing up in the sparks and flames the gulf of mexico surging northward in convulsions waters pushing through the great mississippi waters pushing through Lake Pontchartrain, squeezing and drowning between waters east and west. I mean, JP, you are a gifted writer. You are a wordsmith. But this, but this really, that, that first, uh, that, that first, is it a stanza as a poem? That first uh, stanza puts, puts the reader right in the center of the storm. Yes. I meant to do that. I meant to, to bring 
and my poetry bring the reader right to to wherever it was that um, was happening. Um, whether, you know, the water's pushing through Lake Pontchartrain, squeezing and drowning between the waters east and west, the same city when the levees gave way. And they broke in many places all that morning, brown water rushing through again and again in systematic failure. And the city began filling up like a bowl, a fetid bowl of murky, ugly, oily, soupy water with fecal matter and pollution and stench where the Army Corps of Engineers had failed abysmally as the storm raged water poured in brown water and people were trapped in their attics and the houses filled up with brown stinking water water filled with sewage and oil and mud and houses pulled apart like kindling some pulling up from their moorings altogether and desperate loved ones holding on but could not wow this is and 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 do you speak latin JP, you, you've 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 categorized her poems. Uh, yes. Go ahead. You do speak Latin, Latin. Oh, I don't speak Latin, but I I I, I broke up the book um, using Latin um, because I thought that the that this would give it more of a kind of classical dynamic. Sure. So so I. Um, I broke up the, the parts of the book into different Latin words like alpha beginning and then omega the end and finis, borders, politicos, political politics, terere, which uh, terror, uh, nature, natura, bellum, war, fact, uh, factitious, uh, man-made, and uh, mactans, killings, then Omega at the end. Yeah, and you've got Trayvon Martin, uh, as you as you said, Mr. Brown, and you've got you've got Par- Parkland as well. Uh, Parkland as well. JP, um, what inspires you to write poetry? I don't think I've ever asked you that. This isn't the first book of poetry you've written. What inspires you to write poetry? So thanks for the question. So um, really, uh, to capture the human human dilemma and in this case it was human suffering um through the calamities in the first part of the 21st century and really to capture um the human dynamic you know i mean how how people face um not only man-made disasters but um disasters from nature and catastrophes from nature and and now that we're increasingly faced with these dilemmas uh, because of climate change, I find that some this is quite interesting um, how how we face these dilemmas as humans and um, some of it's man-made, some of it's from, from war, some of it's from our own making um, but certainly um, you know what I try to do is capture the zeitgeist of the early part of the 21st century that's a good. That's a good word to use. Zeitgeist. Define that for listeners. So the what's happening now, like what's what's current, I guess. Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Interpreting, interpreting uh, reality. I guess is, is a is a yeah. The way to the way to put it. Um, yeah. And 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 talk a little bit more about what what went into to this book. Why did you choose the topics? 
Uh, why did you decide to create the categories? Um, it's again, again for listeners, this is an award-winning uh, uh, book of poetry. The uh, the agency is the Proverse Prize, the winner of the Proverse Prize 2019. What 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 went into deciding what to put into the book, JP? You know, it's interesting. I wrote it right before um, uh, COVID nineteen happened, and so obviously that would have featured more prominently in it um, had I not had had I not written it prior to it. But anyway, I was interested in what was happening in the world um, in our how how we define the twenty first century up to now. And so uh, what featured prominently for me was the migration crises throughout the world, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. whether we're talking about our own immigrant crisis here in the United States or we're talking about in Europe or um, anywhere in the world, really, uh, from people being forced to, to leave uh, as refugees in many cases uh, because of war. Mm-hmm. Politics in the United States uh, featured prominently, and obviously terrorism as well. From you know, I have the the, the Twin Towers um, uh, poem about that, and also poem about Indians uh, fleeing um, the genocide in Brazil uh, was one of the things. Um, and then nature, uh, the nature poems were about the hurricane. Um, which hurricanes, which feature prominently here in South Florida, as well as this Southeast, uh, just recently with this hurricane in Ida and uh, Louisiana. Uh, there was one poem about the earthquake in Haiti, which we just had another one, um, which is also ironic. You know, in uh, 2010, you had a, a terrible hur- uh, earthquake in Haiti, and now we just had another one. In Haiti, and those poor people down there are are reeling from that natural disaster. And then, of course, uh, you had the uh, war in Iraq, which I talk about um, the Abu Ghraib prison um, through the artwork of Botero, who's a Colombian artist. And then uh, talk about um, the civil war of Yemen through a girl who's starving because starvation is has been one of the features of that uh, conflict as well. Homelessness and then um, the killings of Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and Parkland uh, shooting uh, at Mary Stoneman Douglas High School. And then I end with a poem uh, about nature. I begin with a poem about nature and end with a poem about nature. Now, I've, I personally have a history with Mexico. I, I, I love the country. You've got, you've got, a, you got a poem here called Mexica. Uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm just going to read, read, read some of it for listeners. They're the white ghost of Hernan Cortez. His phantom pallid arm covering the naked body of La Malinque. Her brown skin, her dark nipples, hand in hand, white on brown, brown on white, over the dead body. A Mexican visions of Jose Clemente Orozco personified. Well, what I like about this poem is that you're you're ending. You, you go on and, and and not to take any way anything away from the poetry, but skipping towards the of the uh, the five stanzas, the, the the last stanza, mestiza mestizos me, me, Mexicans. 
Nueva España, Children of the Moon, Mexica, Tenochtitlan, Mexitili. Let the great eagle eat the great snake. And that's exactly what's on the Mexican flag. Yes. Right. And I that's think right. this is, this is, it takes on a religious connotation here as well, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I, that's what I'm getting, that's what I'm getting, uh, getting from this. You know, why, why is it that the, the Mexican chose a, an eagle uh, on, on the flag uh, with a snake? Do you know that question? That, I, you know, yes, that, that's the reason. Um, that was the origin of um, Tenochtitlan, uh, of, the, of the Aztec capital. And when, when the eagle ate a snake on a cactus is when they chose their, their homeland to be in this particular lake in Mexico, um, which Mexico City itself is located at the same Lake of Tenochtitlan, which is the Aztec, was the Aztec capital, and the Mexico City is located right on top of that. Actually, Mexico, Mexico City is sinking because of it's located on the lake, but it's all on this lake um, was built on this lake by the Aztecs, and the the Spaniards built the Temple of the, well built the Cathedral of Mexico right over the Temple of the Sun, so you can go there today and see the uh, as you know. The Temple of the Sun of the Aztecs, right uh, next to this, adjacent to and on top of from the Cathedral of Mexico. And who who was La Malinche? Malinche? La Malinche was the translator lover of Hernan Cortez, the conquistador. And she was La Malinche was the she translated for Hernan Cortez the Indian languages that. He had to wade through to get to the Aztecs, and he along the way he uh, Hernan Cortez. It wasn't just the Spaniards conquering the Aztecs; they the Aztecs had a lot of enemies, and he was able to um, ally with the enemies of the Aztecs to help conquer the Aztecs. And Lamalite was very instrumental in doing that. You have a history with Brazil, of course. You're a former Fulbright scholar uh, to Brazil. What are some of the parallels here in regards to the Spanish, of course, being the uh, the earliest conquistadores uh, of the New World uh, versus the Portuguese? Um, what are some parallels between Brazil and Mexico that you see happening today in regards to this mesh, mesh and mix of, of, of cultures? Well, Brazil... Um like all of South America and like all of the Americas um, has had its own encounter with the the West beginning in 1500 um, and uh, you have the Portuguese um, uh, conquistadors there um, uh, who were um, who uh, equally um, decimated the indigenous populations in Brazil, and you have this intermixture of uh, uh, obviously with Brazilian um, indigenous, uh, European indigenous, and Afro people of Afro descent, because Brazil has the most people of African Afro descent in the entire Americas. Mm. 
And um, because slavery was so prominent there, slavery lasted the longest in Brazil out of the out of in the world. Um, and so um, you have a a mixture of people from peoples from uh, from Europe from from indigenous descent and from Afro descent in Brazil, and you have a, a mixture of foods and ideas and cultures um, as well. And, um, and Brazilians, Brazilians have uh, their own ethnic and racial ideas as well about that mi mixture. For example, they have um, uh, a term that we don't even have in English, which is caboclo, which is somebody from European and indigenous descent. And they also have another term called cafuso, which is somebody of indigenous and Afro descent. And so their idea of ethnicity is in many ways completely different than ours, but it's also very phenotypically based, based on physical characteristics and so on. How does this relate to, to Mexico? Mexico, to the best of my knowledge, and perhaps you could correct me in Mexico, for instance, uh, I did they have? Did they import? Did, were the Spaniards importing Africans as uh, and, and, and as slaves in Mexico? Yeah, they did. Um, not to the extent that happened in Brazil, because the plantation system never carried on as much in Brazil in Mexico. But they did import some, not to the extent as um, of well places like Cuba and Colombia. Mm -hmm. But there are there are Mexicans of Afro descent in, in Mexico, but the plantation system that was developed in Brazil, Ian, was very um, intensive and was very brutal. It was a really brutal slavery system in Brazil, um, so much so that you were not expected to live past your twenties if you were African slave uh, in Brazil. So they kept importing and importing uh, Africans to to maintain this plantation, brutal system of plantation in Brazil. And and so we know in the United States that this this came to an end uh, as a result of the Civil War. Um, how long did this similar system continue in Brazil? Eighteen uh, eighty. I want to say 1889, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. The, I, the, the exact date escapes me, but it's like 20 years later than, than our own. Um, and they never had a civil war about it, right? They never had a civil rights movement about um, uh, for a, a people of Afro descent. And now pe people of Afro descent in Brazil are still having problems with structural racism and in, in the sense of finding um, good jobs, in the sense of finding having a better education, and so on, so that's still going on in Brazil to this day, and it's still contested. JP, you're still writing for Counterpunch. Yes, but I haven't written an article for them in like a like a month or so. I don't know; it's been a couple months because I was working on my book, so I was yeah. trying to finish my book over the summer. And um, and so uh, I kind of 
put that on on the shelf for a while. Uh, and 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 the publisher of this book is Proverse Hong Kong. Is that correct? The publisher of the Epical Reckons is Proverse Hong Kong. Yes, mm-hmm. Proverse Publishers. Yeah. Um, and you, and you're opening so that readers understand. You're opening this book with one of the hottest current topics in the United States. Of course, this is a, as you'd mentioned, especially right now in Afghanistan, this is a global issue as far as uh, 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 as far as culture culture integration. But you, your 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 initial poem here is uh, is called the crossing. Yes. So it's a hot topic issue um, on uh, migration, right? And, you know, we're, we're a country of, of immigrants and um, how we, how we deal with our, our, our migrant, our migrant population and our, also our, also immigration obviously has a long history in the United States and has a varied history as well. And as I talk about in my forthcoming book and also in previous Counterpunch articles that the history against racism against immigrants is nothing new, right? There was certainly racism against Irish American, Irish immigrants coming to the United States and Eastern European immigrants coming to the United States. But we don't think about that type of racism because these are, that was racism against Europeans, but, and there was racism against white Europeans, but um, certainly there is a lot of racism against Irish and Eastern Europeans and Southern Europeans that came to the U.S. in the mid 19th century to late to early 20th century. And certainly something to bring up because there's a lot of parallels uh, with that. In addition to that, there's a lot of racism against Asians coming from China and um, from Japan, so much so that we had different acts of um, passed by Congress against uh, uh, some of the Asian immigrants, such as the Chinese Exclusion Act, and we had another one called the Gent- Gentleman's Agreement with Japan. And, and of course, the a large percentage of the railroads roads in the west of the United States were built uh, Chinese labor, and there's uh, there's a there's an area of the San Francisco Bay Area called China Camp. Um, yes. So Chinese labor, Irish labor, and African uh, American slave labor as well <clears throat> built the railroad. Um, Parkland, the poem reads as this, and uh, it, it it's it's a little bit graphic in a sense. Uh, we were just sitting in class. Uh, I was working on a project, and then it began. Pop, 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 pop. Then my friend just shoved me. Uh, JP, you're interviewing people to write this poem, or how are you getting this information? I mean, I, I got the information just like... Uh anybody else through the news so um i was told by other educators that that was quite a quite a good poem that captured that that moment um uh i i you know watched the watch the news and um quite um 
astonishingly, um, you know, these, these, these school killings have happened so frequently and that we, mm -hmm. they can, they tend to blend together. And at least in my mind, some of them do, you know, but they're so horrific and, uh, they're so shocking. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's just one of the aspects of America that we deal with, uh, and they're more frequently than no, than anybody cares to think about. And, um, you know, uh, on that, I, and I, and I, and I say in the poem on that day, someone seen arm was cranking a Jack in the box. He cranked and cranked yeah. and a tinny sounds of pop goes the weasel played out everywhere. Um, you know, I tried to, to point out that the innocence of childhood was lost in a lot of ways in this poem. Um, yeah. You gonna... yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you've got, you've got some really great work in here, JP, and as, as always, you, uh, of course, uh, uh, JP Lindstruth here, folks, uh, he does have a PhD from Oxford, uh, he is an intellectual. Um, what is what sort of acclaim recognition are you getting outside of um, the Provers Prize, of course, if any, for this uh, for this work that you've done, JP? Yeah, I would like to say more, but uh, not. I mean, um, just recognized by the local newspaper in a, in a small article, but I haven't really received that much attention, unfortunately. Um, and I think that there's some nuggets in here that are are fairly good. I don't know what you think. I mean, the one of my one of my um, poems that I particularly like that I yep. wrote was Trayvon. Um, read, read that for listeners, JP. Maybe you should read that. Yeah. About the killing of Trayvon Martin. Um, Trayvon. Sidewalk glistening, glowing from bright crime scene lights. Seen illuminated from impossible darkness all around. Candy strewn haphazard along a wet path. Red candy wrapper on wet grass. A child's claws crumpled crimson prize. Yellow, green, orange, red, brown. Tiny orb pieces everywhere. Oozing candied colored colors from rain. Oozing haphazard running. Colored patterns on wet pavement like a child's chalk. Scribbling on a forgotten sidewalk washed away by rain. Broken iced tea bottle, glass shattered, yellow numbered markers for bullet casings, his lifeless, lifeless form and outstretched arm, a gray hoodie face down. He could not smell the wet grass any longer. His senses had been taken from him. Red and blue light swirling around darkened rectangular buildings, illuminating building shadows in blinking red and blue. Serious men and women murmuring around the scene. And the president said he could have been my son. He could have been mine as well, Mr. President. They turned him over, his legs crossed with a look of temporary resting, his arms outward and his hooded face stargazing. And only moments before, screams into an ominous night, empty, echoing screams again and again, whipping echoes about the darkened buildings, terror-filled, forbidding night, mailed upon everyone. Cloak struggle 
a timeless struggle for the country. He deserved the Orf- an Orphean serenade now, a wailing of Carlos Santana's guitar piercing the night, a B.B. King blues song just for him, not even the Mockingbird sang to commemorate the moment, a faceless boy in a gray hood, a hood making him moment monstrous, a, mo- a faceless monster. Everyone feared this hooded monster, and Billy Holiday sang strange fruit to the wind. There was blood on the cross and blood on the leaves. There was a cross burning to illuminate this banal scene. A vigilante assumed he was guilty, just as those many white men arrested those faceless black men accused of non-crimes, foot and chain gangs, and the faceless many sang lightning long john into the ebony night. Sounds of clanking chains in unison. It was no dry September, but it could have been. Rather a wet February, February night a balmy, humid Florida night, a southern night. And if he could speak, he would have said, I ain't done nothing wrong. Like so many faceless, many black shadowed faces before him who will give our amazing grace now. And I heard Sister Maya Angelou say, I know why the caged bird sings. And I heard Brother Cornell West cry to the masses, how does race matter? I could hear the many sing in chorus, picking the white clumps, clumpy balls of cotton, tired limbs dragging heavy burlap sacks. We are climbing, climbing, Jacob's Ladder, climbing. Jacob's Ladder, Soldiers of the Cross. The faceless black faces mourning, mournfully sang. And all we could do was to look heavenward where those clumps of cotton balls seemed to float outward into the darkness now. Like white embers flinging outward from this great bonfire, comets flung across the night sky. Into the night they went, into the night they sang. Is the spacious millions of stars illuminating that great dark dome? Into the night, into the darkness, they sang. Faceless and black, faceless and black. It, you know, it really, it, it astonishes me uh, that uh, after the efforts of uh, Martin Luther King and, uh, and, and another king, Rodney King, in Los Angeles, uh, that was, what, in the 90s, if I recall, uh, it it's it appalls me that 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 America still grapples with uh, this issue of race. Um, and for listeners to know a little more of the background, and you can mention the names, JP. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been about a year, maybe a, a little more than a year now uh, that uh, that we that we had a, a, a you had brought some guests our way. Uh, and we had joined a discussion regarding this very uh, this very topic, where the the races are struggling. The the work that you do is so admirable, uh, JP, because you you cover you're certainly not isolating one type of culture. What you're you're basically doing, and I think this gets to more of the the other guests that you've also uh, brought the program's way, is that this is this is really about peace and harmony, right? The effort that, that you're doing through your work and your poetry, your, your articles, your books. Um, it's almost a peace studies, right? It's about kind of um, yes. how does the puzzle fit together? I mean, this kind of generations, centuries, millennia, multi millennial struggle of 
what man seems to be challenged with the most, which is respecting and loving one another. Right. Yeah, no, I, I've been working in the peace field again since. Well, I mean, I, I because I, I, had, I was a professor at Nova Southeastern University uh, for five years, uh, beginning in 2004. So I've been in that working in the peace field, peace and studies field since 2004. And really trying to address uh, all these issues that that we're that we deal with, racism being one of them, nationalism and terrorism being another, others, and um, and and so uh, uh, with this with this particular book, I tried to address the issues these issues. Um, in, in and of themselves, but have the reader themselves make up their own minds about it because it's in, the, in a way artwork. You, you leave it up to the reader in the sense um, to, uh, to 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 discuss, to to find out, to kind of address. But but certainly my my next book, which is forthcoming, addresses these issues and tries to come to some kind of well not I wouldn't say almost a resolution but almost but try to uh, how can we make the world more peaceful um, and that's why I interviewed these Buddhist monks and this Buddhist nun um, to try to ask you know why how indeed how can we come to a, a better resolution um, uh, uh, with 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 these very difficult um, issues that we're we're addressing even today. And what's 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 a what's a main uh, a point that 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 you're seeing from so far in in, in, in working on this book? What's what's one thing you can uh, give listeners uh, some type of encouragement on how to best conduct? Uh, 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 lives to live uh, mutually happy. What, what, what's 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 one thing that you think is a, a critical ingredient to obtaining that? Well, one of the issues that I talked about in the forthcoming book, and and I don't know if this book necessarily addresses it, but certainly my next book does, and that's called Interbeing. And the idea of interbeing is respect for all life and all live, things living. And it's from an Amerindian perspective, in other words, from a native indigenous perspective, but also from a Buddhist perspective. And what I say in the, in the forthcoming book is that, um, you know, we really need to um, rethink our humanity because of climate. Uh, we just, there's just a report out today that scientists believe that 30 species of trees are now endangered we're, we're scientists believe we're at the sixth extinction point. Mm. Um, we're really at an ecological tipping point in our in our world today. And if we don't rethink um, how we address our planet and rethink our how we to think about balance again, like indigenous people do, then we're really in trouble. Ian. And it's respect for all life. Um, that's what my underlying point is that we need to have respect for all life. Um, 
And if we can't do that, we're we're really in trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, J.P. Lindstroth and um, his newest book, Epochal Reckonings. It's got um, got a lot of power inside of it. Uh, the cover photograph is a NASA image of Katrina. Uh, J.P., some some closing comments and and please direct listeners of where they can purchase your book. Sure. Well, I first of all, I just always appreciate being on your show Ian. it's always a pleasure and thank you for inviting me back again and again and um so listeners can buy the book on amazon.com and i guess some of the um closing things about the book is that if you want to read a book about the kind of dilemmas of our early 21st century um, and read it in the form of poetry, this might be an interesting book to pick up. I mean, it's, I think because it's poetry, it's accessible. It's not a heavy, heavy academic book. It's a, it's, it's more art and it's addressing topics such as nine 11 and okay. Trayvon Martin, um, killing, but also the hurricane Katrina, the, uh, earthquake in Haiti and, disasters around the world just human suffering and human dilemma and i think that uh readers might find it interesting to uh to address some of these dilemmas that we all face in the early part of the 21st century wonderful work jp wonderful work um and i look forward to uh the next time you join the show uh, equally, it's always a pleasure to host you, JP. Um, so keep up the good work, and we will be back in touch very soon. Thank you, and I really appreciate it. And uh, wishing you well, and uh, and uh, look forward to uh, talking with you again. JP Lindstroth, ladies and gentlemen, uh, fascinating. R- really, it's fascinating. I mean, this the the, the, the We've been very fortunate here at Discuss Your Truth. I've been very fortunate uh, to have JP with his interest. Over, We're coming up on five years. Five years of Discuss Your Truth here. We started in Winwood Radio, a little booth in a barber shop. It was as, as, uh, as it was. And uh, then we moved over into a uh, separate... A separate... Uh, um, uh, studio... Um, uh, in, in, a, in a neighboring district of Miami called Alapata. And uh, the show was ran there for about a year and a half. So about a year and a half in Wynwood, a year and a half in Alapata, about three years, I suppose it was, under, um, under the auspice of, uh, if I've used that in the correct term uh, context, um, Wynwood Radio. Uh, the show now runs on Winwood One. Uh, it's also live on my website, iantrachier.com. Um, and, um, and of course the circulation via podcast and, uh, post recording. Let me, let me mention real quick before I, before I wrap up and, uh, we'll be doing a double header here. So I'll be bringing on, I will be bringing on.
Tom Arenta uh, shortly. He's a U.S. Army Ranger, um, former, I believe. Uh, next week, the hidden history of American healthcare: why sickness bankrupts you and makes others insanely rich. Hmm. Sounds like dirty pharmaceuticals here. Sounds like the dirty pharma. New York Times best-selling author Tom Hartman will be joining us for, I believe, the fourth. It could be the fifth time. I have to go back and look at the archive. Look, coming up on five years of doing this. Uh, I mean, this is probably this is probably the ninth time. Uh, if not more, 15th, I don't know. I have to look at the archive. Uh, JP, we've talked to JP. JP is a regularly regular. He'll remain a regular, regular as long as he uh, desires. Uh, L.K. Samuels. You can look for that in the future. L.K. Samuels is an author that I've recently met. Uh, he's an editor and contributing author of the Facets of Liberty, Libertarian Primer, 1985, and author of In Defense of Chaos, the Chaology of Politics, Economics, and Human Action. Published by Com Cobden Press in 2013. Freedom Reserve, No More Lies, can be purchased at uh, Amazon.com and Am Amazon.com. That has not yet published, even though the contract and the agreement has been around for over, in place for over two years. I've got a couple things to polish it up. Servando Gonzalez, contributing author to that. Um, Judy Mikovits, as a matter of fact, has uh, said that she would contribute. I don't think that's going to happen uh, to this installment, perhaps next book. But Trine Day has agreed to publish that book. Um, Killing History, the False Left-Right Political Spectrum and the Battle Between the Free Left and the Statist. The Statist, sorry, I was just saying uh, Status Left, L.K. Samuels. Uh, so that's another... Uh, oh, and Google Leaks. Google Leaks with Wilder's expose on the big tech censorship. Zach Voorhees and Ken Heckin Lively. Uh, Epochal Reckoning is J.P. Lindstroth, folks. Uh, purchase it, get it today. And uh, until next time, folks, I'll be right back with... Uh, Tom Arenta. Be awesome, folks. Be awesome.